We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. It's a Friday show, and we're excited to be back with everybody. Uh, Andrew, how you doing? I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm doing all right. I was, I was at the game on Saturday, and obviously that was an incredibly tough one to swallow, whether you're watching on TV, whether you're in the stadium. And uh, we, we move on, right? Like, yeah. Love the Green Bay Packers. It's such an integral part of my life, especially living in Green Bay. But man, you know what? Like you, you have to you have to take a step back at times and realize what's really important. This isn't something that I'm going to get super upset about. But at the same point, uh, you know, would love to be talking about the NFC Championship game right now. It just wasn't in the cards. And you and I love the off season, so. I guess, you know, if you want to pick out something great to, to look forward to, we do have a very intriguing upcoming offseason. Uh, and uh, I think we got some interesting things to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. You always know, right, that possibility exists, that your team doesn't get it done and that they don't advance. But it was pretty hard to believe this year. It felt like this team was way better than this finish and that they should have been playing much farther into the playoffs. But Luckily for us, we have had almost that week of the pain to kind of wear off, Andrew. We didn't have to do, you know, a Sunday or a Monday show. So <laughs> that was a little bit helpful. The numbness is, uh, you know, I would describe it maybe more as a numbness those couple days after than, than true pain, right? But uh, we're back and we're ready to lead the charge into this offseason that promises a lot of that change that you are talking about and really we can start right here with some of the news that came out today we're recording on thursday and that's that nathaniel hackett will be the next head coach of the denver broncos so uh big news that we knew that was possible right we were kind of bracing ourselves for this but got that official news 
today. So headed to Denver. And then, of course, right, there's the motion uh, that will be set here with possibly uh, Luke Getze joining him or Adam Stenovich. A lot of people have made the connection to Stenovich joining him there as the OC. Uh, we saw Ajiro uh, um, Evero uh, was in Green Bay last year as a defensive coordinator candidate. It sounds like he might be the favorite to be the defensive coordinator out there in Denver with Hackett. So lots of interesting things there as we get you know Green Bay West kind of starting to take some shape in the Colorado mountains. Yeah. And uh, Nathaniel Hackett's dad, uh, Paul Hackett, of course, uh, NFL head coach, right? Of course. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. The, the old nepotism football league <laughs> going on here again, huh? Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, Hackett that, that this was not much of a surprise. I know Packers fans think this was done with the intentions of Lurie and Rogers away and, and very well, maybe it was. Uh, but that doesn't give enough credit to the coach that Hackett is. Um, I, I would much rather lose Luke Getze than Adam Stenovich uh, if if I had to choose between the two. But we will see what the implications are for Rodgers and for this coaching staff. And when you have a coordinator leave, it can get real painful, right? Because there's a lot of people who might be looking for uh, new new jobs and and potentially you know upgrades in in what they're doing. So we will see. We will see, and it's you know it is going to be fun to see how all these dominoes fall. It's going to be stressful, but uh, Andrew, this is this is uh, Nathaniel's first gig as head coach, correct? That is correct. Do you think he's going to be able to hack it? <laughs> I see what you did there. All right. Usually I let you make those jokes and I groan. So I had to get mine in there today. So I love uh, it. <laughs> thank love you, it. sir. Thank you. All right. Let's move on here. We got some more news today. And this is uh, not directly to the Green Bay Packers and their coaching staff, but some division rivals announced the Chicago Bears are going to be hiring Matt Eberflus. And Eberflus has spent time around the league in Cleveland and Dallas uh, following Rob Ryan around a little bit. And then if you remember, he originally, this is so interesting, came to Indianapolis to be the defensive coordinator with Josh McDaniels uh, several years ago. And then when McDaniels so graciously pulled his name after accepting the job, uh, new Colts coach Frank Reich and general manager Chris Ballard convinced Eberflus to stay on and still be the defensive coordinator there. So just super interesting how all that came together and has worked really there in Indy so well. But uh, Eberflus, culture guy, right? Obviously defensive mind. He's going to ask a lot of his players and try to establish that new culture there in Chicago. But man, there's so many different ways that this is interesting for those Chicago Bears. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this one. Yeah, Eberflus, to, to me, is one of the best coordinators in the league. And and the Colts' defense has been absolutely fantastic the last uh, several years under Eberflus's coordination. And he, he got a heck of a lot out of a bunch of players who are not necessarily household names uh, while in Indy. I'm, I'm thinking of the development of a player like Kenny Moore, who went from somebody nobody had ever heard of to an elite-level NFL cornerback. And, you know, he got... Great safety play, certainly got the most out of Darius Leonard, their linebacking core. Um, they they have had a bunch of really good defensive linemen that like no one knows who they are. Uh, and I mean, it's 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 really impressive. That being said, uh, while I do really like the hire, 
I, and I said this on Twitter, when is the last time a defensive hire made a splash? It probably is Sean McDermott. The The final four coaches uh, are Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Zach Taylor, Andy Reid, all offensive, all offensive minds, right? So if the plan is to go against treads, trends, I will take those odds, right? We, we always talk about this with draft prospects. Like, don't bank on a guy being the exception to the rule, right? If yeah. there's if there's a certain athletic threshold for a position and no one's ever been good, right? You, you had talked about this with Irv Smith Jr. when the Vikings drafted him. Nobody, no tight end with that athletic threshold had ever succeeded in the NFL. So you're banking on that guy to be the exception. Does that happen? Yes, absolutely. All the time, right? Like there's short corners who succeed. There's I, going back to an older stereotype, the short quarterbacks who can't succeed or, you know, the guys that don't have the rocket arm. Those things can happen. Right. But when you're banking on something to be the exception of the rule, you're taking a little bit more of a risk. And that's exactly what the Bears are doing here. Um, I, I do like this higher on the surface. It's just that what is the ceiling for your organization if you have a defensive minded head coach? Mm his offensive coordinator selection is going to be huge. And I know there are some whispers of somebody, uh, I think it's the Eagles passing game coordinator, the name is escaping me. And, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to try to dive into, you know, assistant level NFL head or NFL coaches and, you know, gauge how good they are. But if that's not a home run, this is a, a big struggle bus with Justin Fields going into a very important year too. Yeah, you hit so many important things there, and I was going to talk about the importance of the offensive coordinator role because of this decision, and I'm with you. I think this is a good hire um, for an NFL team when you just remove the Chicago Bears piece of it, and I do think that they've made a choice here. I think you enter this conversation, and if maybe you don't feel like um, Brian Dable is someone that you're going to be able to lure to Chicago or you eliminate some of these other offensive minds that you feel like you'd like to enter, I don't know, like, Eric Bieniemy, I'm not sure like the interest and those kinds of things. But if you sift through your offensive guys and then you say, all right, I'm going to take the best guy that's available regardless of whether he coaches offense or defense, then maybe that's how you arrive at this. But you're right. OC is going to be huge. And it almost feels like they need to kind of select someone who's like a little bit below the radar. So it's not like he has a year or two in Chicago and then he's sniped for another job. They kind of need someone who can be there and be the glue uh, with Justin Fields as he kind of like establishes himself and gets into a rhythm there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I was I was just smiling uh, when you said Eric Bieniemy because it would be pretty funny if the Bears went from one former Kansas City offensive coordinator to the next. <laughs> That's why they couldn't do it. I didn't think about that. That's 100% the reason why, which is not a good one, but uh, nonetheless. So uh, are you ready to move on into our show uh, for today? Let's go for it. Let's do it. Okay, so Andrew and I, we've talked about, we are passionate about something that makes us giant nerds. We're passionate about roster building, and the Packers are at an interesting fork in the road, obviously. They have a lot of choices to make. Aaron Rodgers is going to be talked about at nauseum this offseason, and he's a big domino that needs to fall here in the coming weeks and months. But there are so many other pieces on this roster that make 2021 and the Green Bay Packers that we've watched this fall such an amazing team. And Brian Gutekunst filling in the gaps in talent with free agents was obviously huge, but the draft and develop culture is still very much alive and well. And I think that Ted Thompson would be proud of how this team has drafted the last couple seasons. So in the months ahead, we are going to be leaning into the 2022 NFL draft, and that's going to be a ton of fun. Andrew and I love those conversations. But today, we are going to live in the past. We're excited to do that. Um, and Andrew, I'm going to let you kind of explain what we're going to get into here a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So this serves a little bit as a report card on Brian Gutekunst. But also, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about when uh, the the idea hit me was I know I need to scale my draft analysis back this year, right? Like I'm going to be aiming more for like the 100 to 150 prospects than the like 250 plus I did last year because I'm currently in school getting a doctor and I, I just don't have like the crazy <laughs> amount of time that I had last year. I still probably have too much free time. Uh, but every year when I start to look back and see what went well and what didn't, and I think it's fair to do that with the Packers as well. So we're not only going to be taking a look at the Packers draft class, but then at the end of the show, we we have a little sneak peek into what I did well and what I didn't. So we're, we're being fair to Goody. That sounds good. So we're going to go through 2019, 2020, 2021, and take a peek at these classes that Brian Gutekunst has assembled uh, here. And so let's start in 2019. Look at what we got here, starting at the top. So first round, the Packers have two picks. 12 overall, Rashawn Gary, the edge out of Michigan. And then at 21, they took Darnell Savage Jr., the safety from Maryland, which they acquired from the Seahawks. That pick from 30, they made that trade up there to go get 
Darnell Savage. And then in the second, they got Elton Jenkins, the guard from Mississippi State. Third round, Jay Sternberger. Fourth round, Kingsley Kiki. The sixth round got uh, Kadar Holman and Dexter Williams. And then we wrapped things up in the seventh round with Ty Summers, the linebacker from TCU. So uh, the Packers absolutely nailed the first three picks in this draft. You could argue, I guess, if you really wanted to, that Darnell Savage is kind of an average player, but he's a competent starter, right? And we remember the years where it felt like Green Bay safety play was a total nightmare. And so that is no longer the case. So at worst, Savage is a competent starter. But my goodness, these other two picks, uh, Gary and Elton Jenkins, man, you could do a redraft of this draft class and both of these guys go, what, like top 10, top 15? Um, that's how good they have both been. And uh, losing Elton Jenkins midseason was a huge blow for this Packers team. And it's hard to put really a value on his presence because he's so solid, so reliable, so versatile, and he can literally play every position on the offensive line. Uh, but then Rashawn Gary, that 12th overall pick, I don't know if there's ever been a pick that I personally disliked more at the time of the selection. Uh, but, man, Gary has completely lived up to that selection at 12 overall. Obviously, we just all saw Gary play out of his freaking mind in that divisional round. Um, that had to be the far, funnest part of that game, honestly. Uh, but Gary's pressure rates are kind of mind-blowing when you look at them. In 2019, as a rookie, Gary had a 10% pressure rate. In 2020, his pressure rate went up to 14%. In 2021, Gary was up to a nearly 18% pressure rate. So he's gotten better and better, and he's stacking success year after year. Uh, but Dar Carriger made a note of Gary on Twitter a few weeks ago that I thought was really, really interesting. He noted that when you look at pressure rates, the run-stop percentage... Uh, the PFF grade, pressure rates. Rashawn Gary's 2021 season almost mirrors exactly Zadarius Smith's 2019 season, which was obviously an incredible one. So when you consider team building, it kind of feels like the Packers knew that the Smith brothers were rentals that they'd have for a few years, and that was going to be really nice. And then Gary was kind of that long-term replacement plan. And it sure feels like that plan is coming together nicely. Uh, now, that's the good news, right? The rest of this 2019 <laughs> class, man, uh, rounds three through seven, kind of rough, right? Jace and Kiki no longer with the team, and that hurts. Uh, but Gutekunst nailed the picks where you have to nail the picks in 2019, and we're seeing the benefit of that. Yeah, and that that's fun because that was the first draft class where we got to talk on the Packaday podcast, the night of the draft, right? And so uh, we were trying to kind of reconcile the Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage picks during that time, and people were upset. Uh, we, you know, we kind of felt like therapists on the podcast. Not the first time. In fact, once we jump into this next draft class, it gets much worse for us. Uh, but you know. Yeah, you'd love to see the later rounds be better, but you walk away from any draft with two star players, and that's just what they are, Jenkins and Gary, star players. You should be absolutely delighted. It doesn't matter what you did in the rest of the draft class. So um, I, I would give Goody pretty high grades going there. Um, and then you move into 2020, right? Uh, and I remember this draft night as well, is you and Maggie Loney and myself... <laughs> Uh, had to go on and talk about this after the pick came in. And that, of course, was Jordan Love at pick 26. 
and we'll talk a lot about him uh, coming up in a few minutes. Uh, but in the second round, they took A.J. Dillon, which also was a very unpopular pick at the time. A third unpopular pick is they took Josiah DeGuara uh, from Cincinnati in the third. Uh, fifth round, they ended up getting Kamal Martin. In the sixth round, they had three picks. All offensive linemen, John Runyon, Jake Hansen, Simon Stepaniak. And then in the seventh, they pick up Vernon Scott and John Garvin. So, you know, obviously this draft class result uh, revolves around Jordan Love. Is he a legitimate NFL starting quarterback? Is he someone that has trade value? All those questions are going to get answered in the next couple of months. Dylan was widely criticized, but you take his production out of a second round pick every single time. I don't know if he ever turns into like a superstar running back, right? Like it will he become Derrick Henry? I don't know, but he should have a really long NFL career and eventually turn into a bell cow if he's ever given the opportunity to be the solo guy. DeGuara is entering a make-or-break season, in my opinion. He he just has not shown enough as a true tight end, and we haven't really seen him turn into that H-back we were all hoping for. Mm. That being said, third year for a lot of tight ends is the year when things start to slow down a little bit and start to click, and you have to remember he has missed a bunch of time due to injury as well. Come on, Martin. Uh, he's gone. Uh, he had a really impressive rookie campaign, but obviously is not on this roster anymore. Um, John Runyon Jr. looks like a home run pick as a good starting guard. So that's a really, really nice surprise there. We'll get to know more about Jake Hansen next year. I would imagine he will be some interior offensive line depth. Stepaniak's career was cut short doing an injury. And Andy Herman mentioned on Monday's show that Vernon Scott was on the 53-man roster all season despite having only 17 snaps which were all on special teams. So Goody and LaFleur must think that there is a future job available for him. That one's really interesting to me, too, yeah. because I would imagine Vernon Scott would have been a really good special teams player, right. given just what I know about him and what I've seen. So uh, that that one was particularly interesting. And then and John Garvin. I was going to say, and oh, what we see of our special teams this year, like, just give him a shot, like right? Like, yeah. could it have gotten much worse? I don't know. But that is interesting. Good point. The new year is a great time to focus on what's important to you. Whether it's saving money by ordering less takeout, learning to cook, or prioritizing your wellness, HelloFresh is here to help you with endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable. Personally, I'm really trying to work on my weight this year, and when I found out that HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients right to my door, including farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week, I was all in. Skip the trips to the grocery store, saving you long wait times and ensuring you don't waste your money on excess food, and sign up for HelloFresh instead. HelloFresh has helped me eat fresher food with better portion control and has helped me live a healthier lifestyle. I highly recommend the teriyaki chicken tenders, by the way. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Packaday16 and use code Packaday16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash Packaday16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Remember to use code Packaday16. That's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Support for the Packaday podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code Packaday at Manscaped.com. 
Friends, inside this package, you're going to find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. And let me tell you a bit more about this Lawnmower 4.0. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, sort of important, thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof and has a 400K LED spotlight you need for a more precise shave. Right now, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code Packaday at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code Packaday. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Let's give, let's give Matthew Slater the Devontae Adams money, right? Right. Um, yeah, anyways. Uh, so Jack Garvin has not really been as special as I hoping he would be, but a rotation guy you can throw in there at the end of the seventh round, it will always be a win. And so, um, you know, overall, this draft class is probably still a little bit incomplete, Mm -hmm. uh, but certainly some players coming out of there. You know, you take A.J. Dillon, you take John Running Jr., and then we'll see what they got out of uh, DeGuara, Jake Hansen, Vernon Scott moving forward, and of course, Jordan Love. Yes, obviously Jordan Love is a big, big question mark, and we'll have a lot of fun with it over the next couple months figuring out where he fits into the puzzle. But uh, 2021, okay, uh, we're going to start at the top, work our way through here. 29 overall, Eric Stokes, the cornerback from Georgia. Uh, in the second round, Josh Myers from Ohio State. The third was Amari Rogers, the wide receiver from Clemson. We got Royce Newman in the fourth from Ole Miss, the offensive lineman. TJ Slayton in the fifth, along with uh, Shamar Jean Charles, the cornerback from Appalachian State. Uh, Cole Van Lennon, Isaiah McDuffie, Kylan Hill to round out this draft class. Uh, again, we're just one year removed, right, from this draft class. It's really hard to put a grade on just a one-year draft class. Uh, but I think that we know Eric Stokes was a great pick, right? Everything we've seen leads us to believe that. Now, he might take some lumps in year two when teams have a little bit more film on him and he'll have to continue to grow. And I think fans and coaches are going to want him to learn to play the ball a little bit better and take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, But he seems like a heck of a pick so far. The Packers secondary uh, is loving. And I think we can kind of think that this Packers secondary can be a strong unit for four or five years because of that selection, which is really exciting. Uh, Josh Myers dealt with injury this season, but played really, really well. He'll always, unfortunately, be compared to Creed Humphrey since Humphrey went one pick after him. Uh, But Myers certainly looks like he'll be a great starter for this team. And I'm pretty sure that it was Andy Herman who was talking about the fact that Myers looked fantastic in that 49ers game after looking back at the tape. So uh, lots to like with what Green Bay got in the first two rounds. But then this next group is one where I really don't know how to feel, right? There's a ton of upside for guys like Amari Rogers, Royce Newman, and TJ Slayton to grow into some pretty prominent roles for this team next year. But we haven't seen enough to really know what their ceiling is going to be. And I think that everyone uh, is is looking forward to seeing, you know, how those players shift and roll. And will they become prominent players or will they just kind of be role players for this team? And then I think everyone's excited to see Kylan Hill come back in 2022. It's fun to think about how good that running back room could be uh, with him in there as the the running back three. So uh, lots of questions, but so far I think some nice returns on this 2021 class. 
Yeah, certainly. You know, and if Stokes and Myers can kind of continue their trajectory, that's automatically going to make this a good draft class. And certainly, you know, you talked about those depth pieces as well, Royce Newman, TJ Slayton. We'll see what Amari Rogers is in year two. You know, yeah. um, he's going to have to contribute because who knows what that wide receiver room is going to look like. So a uh, lot, a lot of interesting stuff there. I'm with you. I, I was a big, big proponent of Creed Humphrey. I He was super high on my draft board and Mm. you know somebody explained it to me really well that Myers was just a better scheme fit for Green Bay and Humphrey was a better scheme fit for Kansas City and um you know you you try not to take that kind of stuff uh for advantage too much but uh yeah interesting draft class so you know as I start to take a look at the 2022 draft class I thought it might be fun to take a look back at some of my rankings and see where maybe I hit and where I definitely missed. Uh, So let's take a a look at some good and bad prospects Uh, going back to 2020, Kyle. So anything you saw that you liked and, uh, you know, I mean, try not to be too mean, but (laughs) maybe it's something you didn't. Yeah, man. I mean, it was really fun to look in. We share these, you know, Google Docs and spreadsheets, and uh, that's a pretty – it's a vulnerable place for you to be to share those. And it's fun to look. <laughs> I'm serious, though, because like you yeah. pour you pour your life into this and like, you know, creating these rankings and then to look back and see like, you know, where did we hit? Where did we miss? And uh, it was fun because we had those conversations when things were so fluid. And now that things have started to kind of pan out, it's fun to see. So uh, I loved you had Justin Jefferson, number 11 overall. Um, that I think was a great call. I know that like that's not insane. But a lot in the draft community had him really in that late first round value. Um, Obviously, he climbed up there and then the Vikings were taking him. But I don't know that a lot had him pressing really that top 10 as a value. So good on you because Jefferson's really become a player that's dominant in the league and that Packers fans are super annoyed that is in the division there in Minnesota. So I love seeing that. Maybe on the downside of things, uh, again, sticking with some wide receivers here, uh, you had K.J. Hamler. And Tyler Johnson ranked above <laughs> T. Higgins, <laughs> um, and that's that's. I, I'm curious if you have any thoughts off the top of your head on on T. Higgins because I remember feeling like T. Higgins was a hard player to evaluate, um, and just kind of it's a funny one to look back on now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I thought he was kind of a big possession receiver, and I have a, a difficult time evaluating those kind of players yeah. because there have been so many misses in the draft yeah. with, with those players, whether it be guys who we thought were first, second round picks sliding into the fourth and fifth or players like uh, Ankeel Harry. Get, mm-hmm. getting drafted in the first round and then just really never panning out. So I didn't know. T. Higgins clearly has proven me wrong. Um and, you know, I mean, certainly he's benefiting from playing alongside Tyler Boyd and now Jamar Chase. Right. Uh, but certainly, certainly has looked the part and definitely better than K.J. Hamler and Tyler Johnson to this point. 
Yeah, I remember just feeling like, and you're right, like those guys who aren't natural separators and win in other ways are, I agree, some of the harder guys to evaluate just because they don't have that one trait that allows you to think that they're going to do that at the next level. They win in ways that maybe is a little bit harder to put your finger on. It seems like T. Higgins has certainly figured that out to continue his path of success in the NFL. But what about yourself? Do you have any, uh, you know, self-pat on the back and maybe a self-criticism yeah. from that class? This this is fun to look back on because I forget where I had players rated a lot of times. But um, the first one that stuck out to me for sure was at number 12 overall. I had A.J. Terrell, which there was very little buzz about Terrell. I think some some people may have had him in the second round. And then when the Falcons took him mid first, people were like, what the heck? Well, mm. Terrell really showed his ability to be a true number one shutdown corner this year. So. That that one gave me a little bit of shine. And then the other one, I had Jonathan Taylor as my clear number one running back, number 24 overall. I remember really advocating that I thought the Chiefs should take him instead of Clyde Edwards-Alaire at the time. And so, you know, I, that's not, like, egregiously high, but still, like, mm-hmm. much higher than most people I knew uh, had him back then. And then some big, big misses so far. Uh, I had LaVisca Chenault at number 18. Uh, he <laughs> has not, uh, not quite lived up to what I thought he would be, and it has not been injury-related. So that, that's, that's been the biggest true. surprise that's to me. True. And then I had at cornerback Amik Robertson at number 25 overall, who went to the Raiders probably in the mid-rounds, if I'm remembering correctly, and uh, has not been the elite slot corner I thought he would be. Mm-hmm. has been kind of a role player, if that, so... Uh, some, some good ones and some bad ones. How about 2021? Yeah, I was doing a stupid dance over here because I remember us arguing about LaVisca Schnault, but you're right. <laughs> my biggest objections were connected to what I assumed would be a continual injury, um, risk for him. But, um, yeah, I was just, he just hasn't st- been very good. He just, <laughs> and I own a couple of, uh, dynasty shares of him so i'd be all about uh him establishing that connection with lawrence next year uh but yeah 2021 um again this is a short sample here but uh, man i didn't realize this at the time but you had amon ross st brown 37th on your board which you know i think a lot of people would have thought was rich obviously the nfl thought that was rich but man like you watch him play and like the ability this isn't rocket science at this level but the difference between Equinemius and Amon Ra and like this they're different I've saw so many things leading up to the draft that said like you know his brother was this kind of player for the Packers obviously completely different skill sets completely different builds different ways they play the game so but for you to put him all the way up there really um early second round kind of value um I think is amazing because you saw him performing for the Lions at the end of the way end of the season in a way that you can kind of see him being that really important wide receiver two for that team if they can get like a true yeah. x right so man that's that's a nice pick i like that one and then okay so this was this was fun too because nick nick bolton right is someone that i really liked in in watching him and then i kind of faded him as we got further into into watching and stacking up the linebackers and stuff um so that's on me but you had nick bolton 78 overall and he ended up just obviously having an amazing year for the chiefs he was pff's 14th best linebacker in the NFL. So a little low maybe on Nick Bolton, but man, I I like uh, a lot of what you did in the 2021 draft. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I have a bias against linebackers that I perceive as unathletic. 
And the thing with Nick Bolton, at least what he's shown so far during his rookie season, is that his instincts have overcome all of the athletic limitations that he may have. And so, you know, sometimes sometimes you miss pretty big on those. Um, a, a couple of players that, that I noticed as I was going through, uh, I had Spencer Brown, the guard from Northern Iowa at 61, who went late third. And I, I think a lot of people had him maybe even a little bit later than that. He looks like a cornerstone offensive tackle for them moving forward. And so I, I had him about a full round higher than where he actually went. Uh, another one, uh, another chief, in fact, interior offensive lineman, Trey Smith at 95. He went to the Chiefs in the sixth round, um, and he is a starter and a key contributor to turning that offensive line around in front of Pat Mahomes. And so um, that one, you know, I, I feel pretty good about being really high on. Some bad ones, uh, starting with Terrace Marshall Jr. at number 13 overall. Ouch. <laughs> who slid, slid hard to the Carolina Panthers um, and was basically not on the field this year. So, um, uh, or was very ineffective the few times he was. And then uh, I had cornerback Israel McQuamo at 48, uh, which maybe wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, except that I had Eric Stokes at 53. And uh, if you don't know Israel McQuamo, that's okay, because he went in the sixth round of the draft <laughs> to the Dallas Cowboys. Then they immediately converted him from quarter to safety because he couldn't play there, and he registered no stats on the season. So, <laughs> woof. That one oh, is man. really bad. Uh, I will say I thought McQuamo, who is a 6'4 cornerback, by the way, was going to be a perfect fit in a scheme like Seattle's or Dallas, right? Because they have, uh, you know, Seattle's former defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. And I thought he would use him in that kind of Brandon Browner role. And it just turns out he doesn't have those kind of uh, skills. So, oops. This is a really fun exercise. I'm glad that we did this. And it's cool to see, you know, reflect on the work that was put in and see how things kind of panned out. But it's it's uh, what's the word? It's illuminating for us to do this, and it's a vulnerable thing for you to do to share these things. I always love the little peeks that you get into NFL teams when you hear, like, hey, they like this player, but they went a different route. And it's always years later, right? And it's usually after a general manager has departed and those kinds of things. I remember hearing uh, the Arizona Cardinals, like, were, like, just beside themselves when they missed out on Amir Abdullah. I guess I think it was the Lions picked him right before. And then like a couple picks later, they went with David Johnson and they just kind of felt like, oh, we got to take a running back. And then, of course, like David Johnson was David Johnson. (laughs) But it's always amazing just to hear those stories and how you stack your board. And it's not just us who do this for fun and then for the entertainment and all of that. It's NFL teams who have to go through this stuff, too, and see where they got it right and where they got it wrong. So really fun exercise tonight. Yeah, and I definitely don't mind being wrong. I'm wrong quite a bit, uh, both in my draft process and in my personal life. And so, um, you know, it's it's okay, but you got to learn from those things, right? Like, like, McQuamo is a great example of trying to make a player the exception to the rule, and it didn't work out. And, you know, Stokes was a way better player than, than I had anticipated. So... That's cool, and I I will always hope that when there's a Packers pick that I don't like very much, they prove me wrong and make me look like an idiot. And Eric Stokes (laughs) certainly is well on his way to do that um, and has a fantastic 
career in front of him. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packernate Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Merdig. Remember to also follow at Packernate Podcast. Please, please, please consider subscribing to the 162nd ranked sports podcast. <laughs> We'd really appreciate it. And, and you know, if you can give us a, a rating, that that would be really, really helpful to what we do. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. Next week, we'll be back with more off-season coverage. And sneak peek, we have a pretty big announcement coming soon about the Friday team. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Oh!